The Awareness Revolution Podcast, where we bring you alternative views on big topics that affect just about everyone. If you want to improve your life and change the world, then stay tuned. You'll hear cutting-edge health, financial, and personal development strategies from a revolutionary perspective. Warning. Listening may take you outside your comfort zone, separate you from the pack, and change the way you see the world. Here's your host. Jeremy Kinney. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I am Jeremy Kinney, and today we're going to be talking about 10 reasons why we shouldn't have minimum wage laws. And I don't want to sound like a bad guy here, you know, so I've got to start off by saying that I don't want poor people to make less money. And... I don't want people to work without making a living wage. You know, I want poor people to do better. I want to see them have more, do more, be more. Um, I just don't think that raising the minimum wage is the solution that we're told it is. So, I'm going to be going on for quite a while and give you a lot of reasons why I don't even think we should have minimum wage laws at all, much less raising the minimum wage. But I just want to be absolutely clear that I'm not trying to take away the money that people are making. You know, I don't picture taking away the minimum wage laws and then all of a sudden everyone's working for a dollar an hour. Um, So get that picture out of your mind and just go into this with an open mind, and here are these reasons why I don't think we should have minimum wage laws, and, um, you know, see what you think, because I used to think that we needed to raise the minimum wage, particularly when I worked for minimum wage, you know, I started off working at Burger King for five to 15 an hour, this was probably in 96, I was only uh, 14, and I had the job lined up before I even um, turned 14 and was legally of age to work. I was excited to work. I was excited to work for minimum wage. If I could have worked for $4.50 at age 13, I probably would have. You know, so I was just hungry. I just wanted money. I mean, I was literally hungry too. You know, I wanted the, the food at Burger King just as well, you know, I got to eat free food, and, um, well, I wasn't allowed, but, you know, we did it anyway, so, you know, I would have been glad to, uh, to, um, work for less than minimum wage when I was younger, and, and in fact, I did, you know, I would go out, and I would, um, rake leaves, I would cut grass, shovel snow, I mean, you know, shoveling snow wasn't fun, you know, it's you. You know, you're not working the whole time, making money either. You know, you're having to walk around for free and knock door to door, walking through snow, cold, uncomfortable. Wish you were playing to get a cell to where you have to um, then you know start getting paid. So I don't know what I got paid, you know, but it probably wasn't good because a lot of people they didn't even they didn't even have me. Um, shovel their snow and a lot of times they were cheap and they would only do it if that we would do it for five or ten bucks and I'd end up doing a tremendous amount of work for next to nothing in terrible working conditions whereas if um, a company were to hire me they probably would have paid me a lot more I also remember being in third grade and working for a maintenance man that um, he he evidently was hired to um, rake the leaves on an apartment complex, and he told me he'd give me five bucks an hour. Well, it was under the table, and I figured five bucks an hour. I remember at the time thinking that was great money. Well, if the, um, that, that was probably a, a little under minimum wage at the time, so the complex couldn't have hired me for five bucks an hour, but this guy did under the table, and because it was under the table, he ended up stiffing me. I ended up working my butt off, working hard, you know, every second I was working, thinking about the money. And he didn't pay me a lot of the time that I worked. So I got screwed, you know. But had there been 
maybe a, a, a law where they could have hired me for five bucks an hour, I probably would have got paid. And, um, you know, maybe the complex could have been kept in better condition as well. So it would have been better for the whoever owned the complex. It would have been better for me and would have been better for the other tenants living in the complex because the place would have been upkept better. So that's just a quick little um, personal story of how, uh, how, you know, it's affected me over the years. But I'm going to list today a, um, a list of 10 reasons why we shouldn't have minimum wage laws. And before I get into those specific 10 reasons, I'm just going to go into a quick little preamble to kind of give you some of the logical flaws with raising the minimum wage. And I um, just want to let you know that this is based on a blog post that I did called 10 Reasons Why We Shouldn't Have Minimum Wage Laws. I will link to that post in the show notes, so be sure to check out the show notes. And there's also going to be a video uh, on YouTube and on iTunes on the video podcast to go along with it so you can see um, the text and what I'm talking about here. So let's go ahead and get right in. All right, so of course, raising the minimum wage seems like a noble cause. You know, you sound like a good person when you're like Bernie Sanders and you're telling the world that everyone working should receive a minimum wage or a living wage. And like I said, I used to think that same way, you know, but that's when I was a teenager. I didn't really know that much about business or economics or how things work. I just knew I worked for minimum wage and I was thinking, well, wow, that would be great if minimum wage was higher, I'd make more money. But then maybe instead of hiring a 14-year-old, maybe they wouldn't have. When when I worked for Burger King, if the minimum wage would have been $7 instead of $5, maybe I wouldn't have got that job. Um, but, yeah, I mean, proponents like Bernie Sanders and others, um, it's interesting because they, they're hypocrites. Because, you know, I have a post showing these double standards for these proponents of raising the minimum wage. For example, Bernie Sanders, straight from his website, says that his part-time and full-time uh, interns make, I think it's like $12. Um, so evidently, not everyone working, in his opinion, needs a living wage. I guess his interns, for some reason, they don't deserve a living wage. But he's very well established. I mean... He, he's well known, and he can't afford to pay his interns, even when they're working full-time, he can't pay them a living wage, but he wants everyone else to. What about the starting entrepreneurs? What about people that are just, you know, what about an 18-year-old that wants to start his own business? If he can't pay $15 an hour, if Bernie Sanders can't pay 15 an hour, how is an 18-year-old entrepreneur expected to pay it? You know, if he wants to get his friend to help him, I don't know, build whatever trinkets or, or um, work with him on his website or something like that. You know, just um, wants a little, little bit of help, a little bit of extra manpower to get his business off the ground. If a senator, a U.S. senator who's, who was running for president can't pay 15 an hour, but wants everyone else to, how can starting entrepreneurs do it? And see, this is the reason, this is one of the reasons why the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. It isn't because the rich aren't obligated to pay a higher um, minimum wage. It's because these barriers for entry into the market like this, like the, like the minimum wage. It's ironic because entrepreneurs that are just starting out have a tough time launching their business and getting it off the ground. Maybe if their best friend were able to take the job at um, below minimum wage just because of, they're their best friends, they're passionate about it, then maybe they would and they could build the business and then when the business grows, the friend would get paid more. Since they can't do that legally, 
Maybe the um, friend is obligated to go find a job working for some big company that can afford to pay the minimum wage. And so he helps the big company out instead of his friend start his startup. So it's ironic because the minimum wage actually hurts the poor um, more than anyone else. And, and it arguably hurts the poor more than it helps them. And we're going to get into reasons why, but I'm just kind of introducing you right now to the flaws and the logic in raising the minimum wage. You see, um, the, the proponents for raising the minimum wage, they often say that, you know, historically, um, when places raise the minimum wage, they don't have job losses. They don't see the job losses that some of these economists against the minimum wage um, suggest will happen. But what they don't tell you is that there is no precedence for successfully doubling the minimum wage because that's what it would be. Right now it's like seven twenty-five, and you know, raising it to $15 an hour, that's even more than doubling the minimum wage. So that's a huge jump. And we don't see enough evidence of that in our country and in other countries. Um, I don't see a lot of proof that we can double the minimum wage without affecting any job losses. Um, I don't see how that's even logical. It's pretty obvious. It's simple economic supply and demand. Um, you know, price. If the price of something doubles, the price of labor is twice as expensive for employers. Well, they're going to be able to afford half as much. They don't automatically start doubling their revenue because they're they doubled the pay of their employees. Their employees aren't automatically automatically twice as productive. You know, if they're um, building trinkets and you double their pay, they don't make twice as many trinkets necessarily. So, simply raising the minimum wage doesn't just um, increase productivity. And that's what employers are paying for. They're paying a certain amount of money for the productivity that the employee provides. So if you want to get paid more, you just increase your value. You increase your productivity. And then the employer can afford to pay you more. But without doing that, without increasing your value, then the employer is, you know, is at a disadvantage there. And of course, you know, they think all oh, this um, employer makes so much money that they can afford to pay their employees. Well, you know, if like Walmart or uh, McDonald's or whatever, some of these um, companies, they have so many employees that if they double the um, minimum wage for all their minimum wage workers, it's going to be a huge staggering amount of difference and um it's kind of hard to comprehend that as a person that's only worked for yourself and and never had any employees you know what the impact of raising thousands of employees um hourly, hourly pay like that would be so anyways um let's tackle this living wage um thing it's really, really, uh, I mean, of course, it sounds good. You know, everyone should have a living wage, but, you know, it's a really ambiguous term. What is a living wage? And see, the problem is, is that the minimum wage isn't supposed to be a living wage. And um, this isn't even getting into the 10 reasons. In a second, I want to list the 10 reasons and go over them in detail. But again, I'm just giving you these flaws and the way of thinking about the minimum wage. So it's not supposed to be a living wage. Um, the thing is, is if you ask three different people how much it costs them to live, you'll probably get three different answers. You know, depending on where you live or how many kids you have or what your lifestyle is like. A living wage can vary greatly from one person to the next. So should employers only be obligated to pay enough for someone to live who has no kids? Or should they be obligated to pay enough for a person to raise one kid? 
you know, where do we shut it off? One kid, but not two kid, two kids. Um, should they only pay enough to cover half of a person's living expenses since that person should have a spouse or a roommate? Or should an employer be obligated to pay enough for a person to live alone with three kids or no kids? You know what I mean? Everyone's got their own expenses, you know? These kind of questions are tough to answer when you start creating this ambiguous term of a living wage. You know, what are they supposed to eat? You know, are they supposed to eat ramen noodles every day? Are they supposed to eat food from Walmart? Um, is, the, is the government only going to obligate employers to pay enough for people to eat this cheap GMO processed food? What if a person wants to eat organic food? You know, a person with multiple kids that wants to feed their kid organic food for good reason, you know, that organic food adds up. It adds up a lot. So, you know, well, you're going to force the, the poor people to eat GMO food and only the rich people can eat the organic food or whatever. I mean, there's just so many things that go into play here. But, you know, if if the government is forcing employers to pay the, um, for someone to live with three kids, what about a person who lives with one kid? Now, the employer is, in, is forced to pay this person who barely can provide any productivity. You know, maybe they're, um, they just have low skills. You know, maybe it's just a, a, a really easy job that requires no skills at all. So therefore, they shouldn't pay them that much, but because of the minimum wage law, they have to pay them enough to where that person could afford three kids and organic food, when really they're just putting um, mayonnaise on sandwiches or something, or put, handing food out of a drive through window. Or just sitting there reading books in a quiet, empty room, you know, because the business is uh, dead most of the time. You know, and their job is really just sitting there <laughs> keeping the room company. So there's a lot of um, really easy jobs, side jobs. People do it for extra money because it's just so easy. Maybe it's something they enjoy to do, um, like um, skating around a skating rink. I always thought about doing that. I would do that for less than minimum wage because I actually pay to go skating. So maybe instead of paying to go, I could actually go skate around and make money instead. So there's actually some jobs that are just so fun that you would do for free or you would do for um, a few bucks an hour. And should they make, should the government make them pay me enough to live off of? You know, not necessarily. So there's all these different things that go into choosing a living wage. And the truth is, is not everyone needs to make a living wage. What about teenagers who still live at home with their parents and have no bills. Well, they they can live for free. So a living wage to them is nothing. They, they, they could work for free. And there are circumstances where working for free can actually be advantageous to the person. And that's why we have internships. And, uh, and later on, we're going to get into how minimum wage laws hurts internships. But for now... Just realize that not everyone needs a living wage because some people are just wanting to build their skills. Um, Entry-level positions should be filled by young kids that are just entering the labor force that want to start building their resume, that want to get on-hands, on-the-job um, experience. And... If you price them out of the marketplace, making labor too expensive, then how is some uh, entry-level worker, some young kid getting his first job, how are they supposed to get a job when they're competing with someone that um, has years of experience? So these are the problems. But bottom line, 
more government power and force is not the answer. Because what the minimum wage is doing is having the government dictate what businesses do, how businesses run their business. And one organization can't decide how every single organization should run. You know, the business or the, the government can't even handle their own affairs, manage their own pocketbook. You know, they're they're a disaster. What they do is so inefficient. There's so much waste and we're in debt and we're we can't even pay our debt off. We can't cover our debt. So probably not a, a very good organization to decide how other businesses run their business. You know, a lot of these businesses are very successful financially, much more successful than the U.S. government, at least when it comes to managing their own finances. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started with the 10 reasons why we shouldn't have minimum wage laws. I'm going to list the 10 and then I'll go down each of these 10 reasons one by one. Number one, government shouldn't decide how people run their business. Number two, federally mandated minimum wage laws are unconstitutional. Number three, if someone wants to work, let them work. Number four, minimum wage laws cause job losses. Number five, minimum wage laws hurt lower paid workers. Number six, minimum wage laws Take away low-income workers' best opportunity. Number seven, minimum wage laws don't increase prosperity. Number eight, minimum wage laws are not to be, uh, minimum wage is not meant to be a living wage. Number nine, if you want to make more money, provide more value. Number 10, minimum wage laws hurt internships. So as you see, I already touched on a lot of these, but we're going to go over them in more detail. So the government is terrible at running businesses, and that's why they should not decide how people run their businesses. Have you ever waited, waited in a line at a government office? <laughs> Pretty bad, you know. Take an hour to go and get a photo ID printed up. It's ridiculous. Government workers provide poor customer service. You know, when you're at the BMV, you know, how do they treat you? And when you're pulled over by a police officer, how do they treat you? Um, this is just an example of the poor level of customer service that you get typically from government. And of course, as I said, they're ridiculously inefficient. You know, just look at the war on drugs. We ended up with more drugs that are more potent and cheaper. After decades of launching it, it's just gotten worse. They launched the war on cancer, and here we are decades later, and no significant improvement. So you see, the government is just really, really inefficient with what they do. So... I say that the government needs to stay out of it, and we need a smaller government and more freedom. Number two, federally mandated minimum wage laws are unconstitutional. <laughs> you may wonder, how are they unconstitutional? Well, there's so many things that the government is doing that's unconstitutional. In fact, so many things are done that we don't even realize these things are unconstitutional anymore. It's because so much that the government does today is wrong. It's unconstitutional. And they're getting away with it. Well, let me explain how it's unconstitutional, in my opinion. In short, the Tenth Amendment. The Tenth Amendment states, The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. So that means since the Constitution does not delegate the U.S. government the power to mandate minimum wage laws, nor does it prohibit it to the states, the federal government has no authority to mandate such laws. The states should determine their own minimum wage laws, if any. 
However, the federal government has usurped its powers from the states and grown into the monster our founding fathers intended to protect us from. As usual, the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938 was clearly unconstitutional because it gave the federal government powers the Constitution didn't delegate to it. Its, constitutionally, its constitutionality was questioned shortly after in the United States v. Darby case in 1940, but the court used the Interstate Commerce Clause, as they do so, oh so often, to trample over the Constitution. The Interstate Commerce Clause was supposed to allow the federal government to regulate interstate commerce, as the name implies, you know, so that way the federal government can act somewhat like a referee between the states. But somehow it's been used over and over again to usurp the powers from the states, which is exactly why the Tenth Amendment is so important. Unfortunately, almost none of us are taught the importance of the Tenth Amendment in public schools, but knowing the Tenth Amendment helps you easily spot things that are unconstitutional, such as the war on drugs, which they also used the Interstate Commerce Clause to justify. So in short, if unless the Constitution grants the federal government these powers, then the federal government does not have the powers. So the federal government only has the powers, basically, um, that the Constitution gives it. Unless the Constitution says that the states do not have the power to do this. Number three, if someone wants to work, let them work. Jeez, it shouldn't be illegal to work, no matter what the pay is. Nor should it be illegal to hire someone who is willing to work. So this is where it gets a little weird. You know, basically these minimum wage laws make it illegal for people to work in some cases. And it also makes it illegal to hire people in some cases. Well, do you want people to work? Do you want people to be able to hire people who want to work to work? Of course. Making it illegal is, um, <laughs> wow, it's just kind of a com hard concept to grasp your head around. If I want to hire someone who wants to do this job for five bucks an hour, why shouldn't they be allowed to do it? Why should the government keep them from being able to do this job that they want to do? Now, if jobs were mandatory, if the government were making people work certain jobs, forcing them to do a certain type of work, then, you know, maybe they should mandate the laws. But this is a free country. We should be free to do as we please. If a person chooses to work for a certain amount of money, they should be allowed to. You know, like I said, maybe there's reasons why they um, want to work for less than minimum wage. Maybe they are, uh, you know, maybe they already have a job that pays them a living wage. And um, they just want to do this job for fun. I, I gave an analogy one time to um, another friend that's a DJ. So, you know, I, I put this in perspective with him to show how it can actually be detrimental to everyone involved to enforce these minimum wage laws. So as we know, vinyl is a thing of the past, you know, along with tapes and everything else. But uh, in the DJ world, we still like to use vinyl. Record stores are dying up, though. And, um, you know, just people aren't buying it like they used to. Even the new um, the DJs have gone to using MP3s with their turntables and DJ controllers and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. So the analogy I gave them was that, you know, record stores are dying out. We want to keep them alive. Vinyl is still great. Live DJing is great. Live DJing with vinyl is great. So how cool would it be to have a record store with... A DJ in there spinning vinyl when you go in there you know he's sitting there spinning vinyl that you can actually buy oh I like that record let me buy it and um, I mean that would just be really cool so we both agreed on that but 
you know, if you're a 14 year old kid and you want to spend vinyl to kind of get your name out there as a DJ so that by the time you're 18 and, you know, you've been DJing in this at this cool, well-known record shop that all the DJs go to to get their records, you know, and they've seen you in there spinning since you were 14 and now you're 18. They're going to know you. you. You built some relationships. And even though you were working for five bucks an hour, which you didn't care because you weren't trying to make a living, you're trying to um, make a life worth living, you know, by following your dreams, following your passion and building relationships with people that are DJs, that are producers, that are club promoters and stuff like that. So that way they can book you for paid gigs and um, maybe even festivals. You know, maybe you get maybe this kid by working for five dollars an hour in a record store, you know, makes all these connections. And by the time he's 18, he's he's playing at festivals getting paid thousands of dollars and travel fees paid for and everything like that all because he worked for five dollars an hour but instead of doing that he ended up having to work for burger king at seven dollars and fifteen cents an hour just to make a little bit of um, extra money and the um, dream of becoming a dj is just a um just a dream so um so how that could hurt everyone is you know it would enhance the experience of uh, the people, the customers that go into the record store. They go in there and instead of just having satellite radio on, they have an actual DJ spinning records, spinning the records that that are for sale there in the record store. Um, so they get a better user experience. You know, DJs are going to think that's awesome. But also, the record store owner is going to benefit. Because now his record store is awesome. People might just go there to hang out because DJ so-and-so is playing. You know, people like live music. People like that. People actually pay to go to shows to watch people spin vinyl. So, you know, here in this record store, you don't have to pay. You get it for free just, just by walking in. And, of course, while you're there, you might end up buying some vinyl. So it helps the record store owner. It helps the customer. And, as I already explained, it helps the DJ because they're getting their foot in the door with all making all the right connections with all the right people and getting experience under his belt. So... If a person wants to work, let them work. They should have the freedom to do so. As long as it's voluntary and both people are engaging in a voluntary transaction, then, you know, obviously they're voluntarily doing it because they feel like it would benefit them. You know, that's the thing that people are forgetting about. You know, when we hear about these companies paying uh, employees in China, you know, um, whatever it is, 12 cents an hour or, or whatever. And, um, you know, we forget that the reason why those people are working for such low wages is because they don't have any other opportunities available to them. So if you take away those jobs, you're taking away the best opportunity those people have. So instead of taking away the best opportunity that they have, maybe you should give them a better opportunity. Maybe instead of saying, oh, we shouldn't send the jobs over there, they're not paying them anything, maybe you should go over there and you should pay them what you think they deserve. You know, if they had $10 an hour jobs on the table, you know, they had a handful of people that wanted to pay them $10 an hour, they wouldn't be working in some sweatshop for 12 cents an hour. The reason why they're working for that is because it's the best opportunity that they have. And the same thing goes for the minimum wage workers here. It's ironic because they want to be mad at these employers for only paying them minimum wage. Well, no one's forcing them to pay. Um, I'm sorry, there's no one forcing them to work that minimum wage job. There's no gun to their head saying work at McDonald's for seven fifteen an hour. The reason why people are doing that is because they can't get a job working $8 an hour. Or maybe they could, but they don't want to work for that company. Maybe it's farther away. Maybe they can walk to this job, whereas they would have to have a car to get to the other job. Or maybe they just prefer this job. Their friends work at this job. So then maybe they can make an extra 50 cents an hour somewhere else, but it's further and their friends don't work there. Whatever. There's other reasons to work for a place besides the pay that you get. Hence, where we get internships and we're going to get there. But we shouldn't be making it illegal to work. We want to encourage people to work. We want people to be able to work. We want people to be able to hire. 
And the more barriers that you put in that process, the more you're going to hold back society. Because it's not just the worker and the employee that, I mean, the, the employee and the employer that are involved here. It's also the people that visit that establishment, whatever kind of customer base you have. See, the more options we have, the more our standard of living is raised. So as long as the transactions are voluntary, everyone gains from a transaction. When someone goes into Burger King and they, they pay a dollar for something off the dollar menu, the reason why they're doing that voluntarily is because they feel that the dollar that they're giving is worth less than the burger or fries that they're getting. So they gain. And same thing with the company. The company only pays, you know, whatever for it, but less than a dollar for the food and labor and all their other costs. So the, so the company values the dollar more than um, whatever else the customer is buying. So in a voluntary transaction, everyone gains. So the more that we get these voluntary transactions going, the more that everyone gains. And what happens is when you make it to where it's illegal for these people to work, a lot of them, instead of working and, and increasing the standard of living for everyone, what they do is they become parasites with the system. They, they, they get into business with the system and say, you know what, I, forget it, I give up. I can't get a job, so I'm just going to live off the government. I'm going to get some sort of government assistance. And instead of being a productive member of society, then they become a leech on society, and then the productive members have to take care of them. And then the more that we have these workers working for minimum wage and seeing so many, I mean, we've got a lot of people not working. Um, it's higher than the unemployment uh, rate suggests because they don't count people who aren't looking at jobs. So it really skews the numbers. That's the kind of tricks Obama pulls to to make himself look good about the unemployment numbers. But anyway, um, pulled, I guess, because he's not president anymore. But um, so then we have the productive members looking at the unproductive members saying, oh, you've got a fridge full of food. You've got all this time on your hands. You get to spend time with your kids and all this other stuff. Maybe I shouldn't be productive. Maybe I'd be better off just living off the government instead of working my butt off for this amount of pay. And what you're doing is you're incentivizing people to not work and not be productive in society. And you're punishing them by taxing them and by, um, you know, making it hard for them to be hired um, and stuff like that. So, you know, um, let's go to number four. Minimum wage laws cause job losses. I mean, that's a pretty simple one to understand. Businesses can only hire someone if they're able to provide more value than they're paid. If someone's able to provide $8 an hour of value to an employer, but unable to provide $15 an hour in value, raising the minimum wage to $15 would only price that employee out of his worth. Employers can't pay employees more than they're worth. If they're not worth it, employers can't pay. The more expensive that labor is, the less labor that employers can afford. The cheaper the labor, the more employers can hire. When you raise the price of something, the demand typically decreases. Simple economics. But for some unknown reasons, the left adamantly believes that increasing the minimum wage wouldn't force jobs out of existence. But of course it would. The more that it costs to hire someone, the more it makes sense for a company to buy a machine or a robot to do that job. That's why when fast food workers are demanding $15 an hour, they're really asking for their job to be overtaken by machines. Would you rather deal with a human or a machine? Personally, I'd much rather deal with humans. Whether it's at a checkout lane in the grocery store, or when I call a company over the phone, I can't stand dealing with machines. But when labor costs are too high, it makes more sense for a company to put a machine there instead of a person. Or it makes sense for them to move the businesses overseas. And if you look at our situation in the U.S., 
that's what we see. We see jobs moving overseas. We see robots taking place of humans. And we see a lot of people not working. Why is that? Well, I suggest it's the minimum wage laws partly in due. It's not the only problem. Not the only problem. I'm not saying that if we get rid of the minimum wage laws, everything's going to be fine and dandy. There's a lot more problems we have. So this is just one approach. It's really just food for thought. Just a different perspective for you because I always thought the minimum wage laws were important and thought the same way that everyone else did. I'm just sharing with you the reasons that I have changed my mind on the subject. So, the government can't make a business hire someone. They can only make it too expensive to hire someone. So instead of low-income workers getting a raise, they're likely to get laid off instead. In the process, we turn someone who was increasing the standard of living for everyone into someone who's just living off the backs of others. Of course, it gives the government justification for existence because it's, quote, helping the poor. So the government just likes to figure out reasons why it should exist. And the, um, you know, if we had no reason for government, it wouldn't exist. So every time we're raising our hand, asking the government to do something, it feels significant. It, it just gives it a reason to exist. We don't want to feed the monster. We want to starve the monster. The monster has gotten too big. It plays too big of a role in our everyday lives. And this is just one example of it. So, just let me give you another personal example. If I could hire someone who would happily do all my housework for $5 an hour, I'd hire them in a heartbeat. But once the labor cost increases to a certain point, it makes no, it no longer makes sense for me to outsource the work. I might as well do it myself. Just as we consider price when making any buying decision, whether you're buying lunch or a car or a house, employers also consider the price paid whenever they're making a hiring decision. This is fairly straightforward and easy to understand, but proponents of raising the minimum wage say that studies show that raising the minimum wage doesn't cost job loss. However, the studies they cite don't suggest doubling the minimum wage wouldn't cause any loss of jobs. That's a huge increase. And if there were the same amount of jobs, it wouldn't be the same amount of people working those jobs. Higher skilled workers would still get the jobs, and lower skilled workers would be without a job and probably forced to be living off of the government, which puts more of a burden on the people who are still working, which makes them want to work even less. Number five, minimum wage laws hurt lower paid workers. So like many other things, the truth about the minimum wage is counterintuitive. Ironically, the minimum wage hurts lower paid workers more than most people realize. A higher minimum wage makes it hard for low-skilled workers to get a job because employers are going to hire less employees if they have to pay them more, so there's going to be less jobs. The jobs that still exist after raising the minimum wage will have more people applying for them. Perhaps people who aren't willing to work for the current minimum wage, $7.25, will be willing to work for $15 an hour making more people seek jobs. So some of these people who aren't included in the unemployment numbers because they're not looking for a job, maybe they have too many um, skills to take on a minimum wage job, but no one's offering them $15 an hour. Well, all of a sudden, if they raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, these skilled people who are smart enough to just live off the government instead of working for a minimum wage... Now they're going to jump into the labor force, and the people that were making $7 an hour minimum wage are going to have to compete with the higher skilled people and put them out of work. So not only will there be more people seeking jobs, there will be less jobs. And assuming the people who are making more than minimum wage, but less than $15 an hour, are more skilled than those working for minimum wage, that means that minimum wage workers would be competing, for, uh, competing against higher skilled workers. Many of them will not be able to get hired, and instead they'll end up receiving government assistance. In this case, raising the minimum wage would turn someone who is a productive member of society into someone dependent upon the government again. Number six, minimum wage laws take away low-income workers' best opportunities. 
this is just what I was saying about um, minimum wage workers having the best opportunity at hand. If they had better opportunities, they would take them. Only a fool would take a minimum wage job if someone else is higher is offering a much higher wage for a comparable job. If the government mandates price uh, over someone's labor and it's over the value of what it's worth, the government is basically restricting employers from hiring people and taking away their best opportunity to work. Number seven, minimum wage laws don't increase prosperity. If raising the minimum wage actually increased prosperity, all we'd have to do is raise it enough to where we're all prosperous. You know, why stop at $15 an hour? Why not 20 Why not 50 Why are we wasting money sending it to foreign countries when all they would have to do is raise their minimum wage? Of course. If all they had to do was raise the minimum wage, they would have cut on by now. The whole world would know this. The whole world could just raise their minimum wage to $50 an hour and we would eliminate poverty. Why hasn't this happened? Of course the reason why it hasn't happened is because it simply doesn't work like that. Number eight. Minimum wage is not meant to be a living wage. And we already went into this, so I will just briefly touch on it again. Um, for example, um, gas stations used to offer full service and someone pumped gas for you. Now, almost everywhere is self-serve. It just goes to show you that, you know, um, a, a kid who doesn't need a living wage could be doing that for you. You don't need it, but it's nice. It's just a nice thing, you know, especially for older people. They don't want to get out of the car. I mean, even younger people, we're just lazy now. You know, would it be nice to just pull up and someone else pump your gas for you? Well, it used to be like that. Now that prices of labor are so expensive because of minimum wage laws, we don't have that. And instead of those people pumping our gas, they are just sitting on their ASS and receiving welfare. So, you know, not everyone absolutely needs a living wage, you know, um, because there is no such thing as a living wage. New York or San Francisco has a lot higher living expense than someone in Alabama. So for that reason alone, it makes no sense for the federal government to mandate the same living wage across the country because expenses are very different across the country. So it doesn't make sense for the federal government to get involved with that, which is another reason why the federal government needs to stay out of it. That's why the Constitution has that in place. And we should let the states decide because the states know more about the businesses in their state than just some blanket number that affects all states. Number nine, if you want to make more money, provide more value. It's as simple as that. Companies can't pay more than what you're worth. They'll be out of business. You know, if, if they pay you $1,000 an hour, the company will likely go out of business. Um, as much as I'm sure employers would love to be able to just make all their employees rich, but if they pay them, you know, there's a point where if they pay them too much, it doesn't make sense to have that person working for them no longer. You know, if the per- person's only providing $10 worth of value, then the company can't pay them $10 because the company has has to make profits. So they have to pay them less than $10. So the way that companies become um, better is to become more efficient. They, they've got to be able to produce more for less. And then when they do that, they can pay the employees more money. They can lower the prices. And then customers get more for less. And then the way that they do that is they have capital to invest in more efficient machines and stuff like that. Well, when you're starting out, if you can't make a profit because you, you can't get your thing off the ground because uh, it's too expensive to hire employees, you're doing everything yourself, 
You can't make the money to save up for capital for more expensive machines to make your business more efficient. And you just can't compete with, um, you know, these big, big companies that are already um, well-established and have their systems in place, um, their marketing, they have the machines to bring their costs down, and they're just extremely efficient. So... If people want to make more money, they just need to provide more value. All right. And number 10, minimum wage laws hurt internships. Many internships would be paid internships if it weren't for minimum wage laws. Internships are a great way for someone to get personalized training in a field that they wish to be in. If they want to work for less than minimum wage in order to gain experience in that field, why shouldn't they be allowed to? Why should they be forced to work for free? Because that's essentially what happens. If they can't pay, be paid minimum wage, then they're paid nothing. Now, if people want to get experience, they have to go to college and take a bunch of unnecessary classes. Wouldn't it be more efficient if they were allowed to work for a low-paying internship while they're learning the ropes in the career of their choice? Instead of making a little bit of money to learn, they have to pay money for an, for an expensive education, usually accumulating a lot of debt and interest, which gives them a really tough start into the real world. I hope this has been educational for you. Definitely check out the show notes at the Awareness Revolution forward slash eight, and that's just the number eight. And I have some show notes. I'll have a link to uh, a post for Bernie Sanders, double, uh, his double standard on the minimum wage, along with uh, two other good examples. I'll have a link to the page with these um, 10 reasons we shouldn't have minimum wage laws. And thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day. And I hope you keep on listening to future episodes. Thanks for tuning in to the Awareness Revolution Podcast. Be the change you wish to see in the world.